sing it once again with all of our hearts no matter what you're dealing with tonight Don't you love him? Amen. So let me tell you a story. There was a man down in Kentucky who was a married man. Reached a very empty, lonely spot in his life. Takes his wife, children, to his in-law's house. Goes home. Gets his lockbox out with his gun. Writes a note, lays his cell phone down by the note, takes the gun, puts it in his mouth, and cocks it. Takes a deep breath, and right before he squeezes the trigger, he hears a service from Happy Valley come on his phone. I think that's the Lord. So are any of you facing anything quite that bad tonight? You imagine how mindful that God is of a human being. Children, this is why when I come to church, I don't play. I don't think any of us should. We never know who's sitting beside us, who's sitting around us, who's streaming or who'll go back and archive it. Facing something like that, it ought to make us to where we want to put every effort we can when we come to the house of God. Would you like to hear the rest of the story? Well, after hearing that sermon, he pulled the gun out of his mouth and started eating on something else. The Lord moved in the man's life. Now he's going to a message church, giving his heart to God, got baptized. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I tell you that to say, no matter what you're dealing with tonight, the Lord Jesus is so mindful. How did that come up on his phone? I don't know. But I know no smartphone ain't that smart. Praise the Lord. So whatever you're facing tonight, whatever your needs are, don't you believe the Lord Jesus is just as mindful of you? Praise be to God. 
Amen. Let's approach him tonight if we can before we look at his word. Lord, every, every time I've read that testimony in the last week or so, my heart has just swelled up and my eyes have welled up with tears. Thanking you for your mercy to that young man. Lord, our needs, no doubt, are different tonight maybe than his, but all of us, one way or another, are feeling stress or pressure or sickness, family trouble, heartaches, difficulty. Lord Jesus, we believe that you're just as mindful of us tonight, that you're concerned about your children and the needs that they have, the sorrows that they bear. We pray for your grace and your strength to us, Lord, that you would help us. I ask you tonight, Father, that you would help us as we look into your word. I know that it will make us so happy to see what lays before us. Yet in one way, so sad that we can't go now. But we will wait, we will be faithful, we will be patient until you call us and we'll serve you with all of our hearts. Lord, you see this prayer cross that I have in my hand? Lord, you know the need? Dear God, I ask in the name of Jesus, I speak that powerful name of the Lord Jesus over this prayer cross and this situation. May the Spirit of God minister to it, Lord, I pray. Help me tonight, Lord, to be able to get out of the way. If there'll be anything of eternal value that'll be said tonight, it'll have to come from you. I've studied and studied and applied myself and prayed and done everything I know to do. And I'm still helpless without you. These people have come to be helped. And how can I do it? They've come with needs in their lives, difficulties and sorrows. How can one mortal help another? So they're not looking to me, and I'm not looking to me, but we're looking to you. But yet we know you have a channel, and you use human instrumentality. So I pray it'd help me to get out of the way, that you can speak through me tonight, Father, the words of life. For it's in the precious name of our Lord and Savior. The Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lord. Praise the Lord. Forgive me. I'm a baby. But I hope I never grow up to be so hard-hearted that I still can't cry. Ain't it good to be in church tonight? I'll tell you one thing. I didn't think Saturday was ever going to roll my goodness. I heard of a couple of brothers this week, though, that if the Lord tarries next Thanksgiving, we're going to do something a little bit different. I heard of some brothers that have started having church during Thanksgiving week on Tuesday night. So I thought, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so if the Lord tarries next year, that's what we'll do. We'll have it on Tuesday. <clears throat> 
then you can do your turkey stuff the rest of the week. Let's turn to the Song of Solomon, if you would, chapter 7, verse 10. How many would like to go with me tonight and venture into the land of our honeymoon? Would you like to go? Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Come, my beloved. Now remember, this is the bride. Let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early. Now remember, she had a problem one time in her life with being slothful, negligent. But she sees she's got help from this now. So she wasn't lazy. As a matter of fact, it's her telling him, let's go early in the first resurrection. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell and our gates, at our gates, are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, all my beloved. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. As we know, the next thing that awaits for the bride course is the two phase, the resurrection and the rapture. Those that have gone on and those of course that are alive. Then we're going to the marriage supper. Revelation 19:7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Now she didn't make herself wife but she did make herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine bissos, fine linen bissos, which it was linen, the finest, which come from the river Nile, and it was more precious than gold. Actually, the value of this type of linen brought more currency and money than did gold. Fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now, whenever we go into the marriage supper, it's amazing how little that there is spoken of the marriage supper. When you look at the scripture, when you look at the message, how little actually unveils the contents of the marriage supper. So this is just merely my conclusion of it. Apparently, the Lord wanted it to be that way. So as to keep us under such anticipation that we wasn't really sure 
what all was going to happen and what all was going to transpire. Now, we know it'll be wonderful. It'll be beyond what we can even comprehend in our minds, right? It'll be, no doubt, more than what we can even write songs about and poems about and all types of lyrics. It will be wonderful, sublime, phenomenal, all of those things. But other than that, I ain't got too much to say about it. But what I do find amazing is that the Lord allowed the millennium to be covered in such scope from type to anatype, from scripture to prophecy, both Old and New Testament. It was as if though he wanted the millennium to be covered with such blanket coverage that the people of God down through the ages of the merging of the marriage of the Old and the New Testament, that they would be so enlightened to what lay before them. To me, it's another of the, can I say it this way, the peculiarity of the aspect of the characteristics of God. That God chooses certain things about himself and his program that he wants to make so clear that even a fool, a fool could understand. And yet there's other things that God simply hides in mysterious form by the simplicity of it and will let people kind of hit all around it and never get to the core of the revelation. To me, when I run across those things, I want to leave them that way because the mystique of the mysterious, of the phenomenal from the divine attribute projected from eternity down through time still leaves it hard to understand. So I figure if he does it that way, he wants it left that way. Now, whenever we come now to the breaking of the millennium, the millennium has a resurrection on the front end of it. It has another resurrection on the other end of it. The first one is called the first resurrection. The second is the second resurrection or the second death, leading up to the second death. So the millennium actually opens with a leading up to a resurrection, which leads into the 1,000 year span. And then it closes out with another resurrection. So it's unlike anything that you've ever seen before, even in the scripture. Now, there's been all kinds, no doubt, of great, great honeymoons. There's been honeymoons that's been held by the paupers and the kings and the rich folks and the potentates. And no doubt, history has had all kinds of phenomenal uh, honeymoons. But yet, my friend, you and I are facing something tonight that there has never been one like it in the existence of the world. There has never been a honeymoon that has lasted 1,000 years. There has never been a honeymoon to where the king of the honeymoon who married the bride became her lawyer so he would not have to become her judge. He became the only potentate 
in order to bring to her the compensation necessary as Paul uses the word in the New Testament, the book of Romans, it is a deposit that was made into your account. It is the word that he uses with righteousness that it is actually deposited into your account. And God looks at you, not ignoring your sin, not turning a blind eye to your sin, but God deposited Christ's own righteousness in your account. And God can look at that justly and righteously and call you his elect. Hallelujah, and say that you are not only forgiven, but you are justified. You never did it in the first place. Now, one of the purposes of the millennium is actually to show what man and what the earth would have been had the Garden of Eden continued on. Now, we know that uh, children were never intended to be brought by sex desire. Adam would have spoken, Eve would have become a mother, on and on and on and on, out of the book of life because he was given the book, the title deep. So he would have spoken another, another, another. Uh, Eve should have been the mother of Isaiah. She should have been the mother of Christ. You know, that's a quote, right? So she should have been our mother. But instead, once she fell, then God transferred the rights of motherhood from Eve in that sense over to the earth then the earth would be the one by which our bodies would come forth the first time and also the second time as well so we are born of the earth twice when we are a mortal now whenever you look then at what the millennium would have been Adam and Eve would have went on and on and on and on for who knows how long no doubt it would have broke somewhere in the cycle of time and the loop would have come back into eternity and would have rolled back into eternity again because we can see several things in the garden of Eden of course that God allowed on a probationary period knowing that Adam himself was on that period but one of the purposes of the millennium will be is to demonstrate what life should have been in the garden of Eden now we look at the animals and we see the animals were vegetarians and we see that nothing was dying nothing was being killed and they were living on and on and on. We really don't even know how old and all that they were as far as when we look at time. Now, they know he lived to be 930 years old, but the scripture doesn't give us a count how old he was when his wife came into existence, how old he was when he failed. We really don't know. But yet we can look and see that man, had he stayed in that position of what God had in his mind, that it was an element of time because God's told us, of course, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it already broke out of the circle of eternity down into the loop before the Garden of Eden ever came into existence. So God had great things in his mind. Now, the restoration according to Matthew 19, 28, and also in Acts chapter 3, verse 21, was that the restitution of all things would be brought back. Also, Matthew 19, 28, Jesus tells the disciples, you have been faithful with me, and whenever I said in the restoration or the rejuvenation. It's the same word, of course, that is used, that the earth will pass away. Parachomia, which is not be annihilated, but pass from one form into another. Now, this is where we are already by what we have transpired in our lives by the new birth. Now, let me drop this here. You understand that whenever you and I are actually 
you're born again. The token is inside of us. That the witness of the eighth day is already living inside of us even though in time we're in the seventh church age. Now, when the earth comes up to the millennium, which is the seventh day or the Sabbath day of rest, she will also be bearing image of what? The eighth day, because there will be eighth day people living on her, even though she herself is still in the seventh day. Well, glory. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing how that God can, by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, bring you back into the eternal where you was all along? And yet here you are in time, you're getting old and you get a new ache and pain nearly every week of your life because your mortal body is still in the seventh church age, but yet your soul has already crossed the line and you are in eternity where you was all along. It's the same way with the millennium. So then the millennium, of course, will be under the seventh 1,000th year dispensation by which millennial, of course, you know that means thousand. So the animals, again, will be restored back to the original in the condition, and so will man. Now, then those on the earth will be in a similar status to what Adam was, but there will be eight-day people on the earth as well. Now, Adam could fall from what he had, and the church said, there will be people living in the millennium that will not give their hearts to Christ under the Davidic reign of Christ Jesus under the son of David. Can you imagine people living here for a thousand years and they will live under the reign of the Lord Jesus and that will be the elect of God and glorified bodies. There will be other people in human bodies living on the earth and no doubt some of them will comply to the word and some of them will maybe want as we say serve God and then maybe at the end of it, you know what, they make up their mind. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go this way. It goes to prove to you and I atmosphere alone will not keep people. You imagine living in a millennium whenever the Lord Jesus is sitting there and you go up to the house of God in the Feast of Tabernacles because in the millennium we're still worshiping under the Feast of Tabernacles. Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. If you'll read that down through there, you'll find that very difficult reading. But basically it is the millennial temple. It is when the temple will be rebuilt. It will be the erection, the fourth temple built upon the earth and four is the number of earth deliverance. It will be the last temple that will ever be on the earth. When John looks and he looks into the eighth day and he sees the city John said I saw no temple therein. Why? The fourth temple will be the millennium and it will be the last one that will ever be built on the earth. Oh glory. They will come and they will worship and sacrifice in the sense of under memorial but there will be no death there will be all mine, no lying no adultery. The biggest sin that can be is you don't go to church there won't be no sinners on the earth. There will be nobody here that will have that nature in them inspired by the devil. And God will actually praise be to God. He will rule from Jerusalem. Amen. Now, notice this. He will be under the son of David. Psalms 132.11. And the Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Now, this is one of the Davidic messianic psalms by which the Lord God tells David, I will set upon thy throne through thy body. Now, this is the one, of course, that the rabbis look for. And they thought when the Lord Jesus and when the Messiah, Messias, would come upon the earth, they thought 
thought that this is what he's going to do. But this was the wrong coming. So they looked at the Lord Jesus and they couldn't understand it because they was taking these quotes and trying to apply them and say, well, whenever he comes, he'll be son of David. What did Barnabas call him? Son of David. Son of David. Wrong dispensation. Right. But yet he will be the son of David in the millennium. Luke chapter 1 verse 31. And behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Joshua or Jesus as we know it. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Oh my goodness, the throne of his father David. Well, wait a minute, Brother Donnie, what about all David's shortcomings? What about all of David's mistakes and what about all of that? What about it? What about it? It means nothing. Why didn't God take it away from him? He swore. Think about it is, he knew before he swore. He knew what David would do. Don't you understand? He knew your mistakes. He knew your failures. He knew your shortcomings. And what did he do? He chose you before the foundation of the world. And he will never deny his own. He had to do it that way. Notice the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. The word ever of course in the Greek is anion which means a space of time. He shall reign of the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now remember of course Paul moves over in Corinthians and he shows us the eternal day whenever he will give the kingdom over to the father when it will be the Lord Jesus sitting on the throne the embodiment of the fullness of the Godhead and the great light which is the father God shining over him then there we will move into the eternal but here we're still in the reign of David Jeremiah 23 5 behold the days come saith the Lord that I will raise unto David a righteous branch and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth now look we're talking about the millennium in the eighth day there's nobody to mete out justice to there's nobody that'll need to be judged about anything. Everybody will have glorified bodies. But in the millennium, the justice and the judge must come and he will still reprove and he will still rebuke those nations which do not comply to his word. But in the eighth day, there'll be nobody like that there. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Somehow or another, he's, he's, he's really getting at the devil too in the millennium because he wants to show the devil, look, devil, with you absent, even all these millions of people living on the face of the earth, I can still control them. They ain't even born again. They ain't even got my spirit, but I still can rule and reign from my throne. Look at that, devil. I got the wool over you the last time. That's right. Notice Jeremiah 23, 6. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. I found this this week. I'll tell you what. Oh, it so blessed my heart. The Lord our righteousness from the remote antiquity. The person you're spoken of has been understood to be the righteous germ. (laughs) Woo! 
from antiquity. This righteous one, the Lord, our righteousness, was identified, amen, as the righteous germ. Praise be to God. Well, if there's a germ, there's got to be more little germs in there with him. Praise be to God, the righteous germ. Notice Jeremiah 30 and 8. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king whom I will raise up unto them can you imagine the Lord Jesus in a glorified body being called David I hope this don't confuse you. But actually in the millennium, there will be David and there will be David. Right, amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Look, friend, when we're looking at this setting, think of it. In the millennium when the temple is built, Moses will be there. Whenever Jerusalem gets a body changed, before the rest of the earth does. Glory! There will be David as a prince, and there will be David as the king. Amen! So here it will be the son of David reigning over his father, David. <laughs> Can you imagine with David when he started out with Jabus, which was the former name of the city of Jerusalem? Jabus of the Jebusites. But the Lord God had already chose Jabus before the Jebusites was ever born. The Lord had chosen that place as his personal residence on the earth. Notice in Ezekiel 34, 23. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and shall be their shepherd. David has been dead for what, 430 years when this is said. And the eye of the Lord will be their God, and my servant David, a prince. Among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. But notice now in Ezekiel 37, 24. And David, my servant, shall be king. So one David's going to be a prince. And the other David's going to be a king. Praise be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Hosea 3, 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. 
afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So David and David are going to be in the city of David. Oh, Brother Donnie, how will I know which one is which? Oh, you won't have a hard time knowing which one is which. It's okay, son of man, revealing the son of man. If you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you, you ain't got no problem separating a son of man from the son of man. It's just those around the message who can't separate them simply because they don't have the Holy Ghost. If you've got the Holy Ghost, he will help you divide and keep the son of men straight. Notice in marriage and divorce, in the millennium, he'll be the son of David. He'll come son of man, a prophet, as who spoke of him. Now he's the son of God and supernatural. In the great millennium that is to come, he'll be son of David, sitting on the throne of David. As all Bible readers know that that's a divine promise of God to David. He would raise up his son to sit on his throne. This was not Solomon. This was not any of the rest of the seed. There has not been a king in Israel for all these years. But the greatest king Israel is ever going to have is your husband. And there will be King David and there will be Prince David. <laughs> well, glory to God. And there will be the great lawgiver on the mount. And there will be the little lawgiver, Moses. Can't you see how he's reflecting himself? What is it? It's through his lives of his people. Notice in Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two, and the key of the house of David, will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. Well, glory. <laughs> Revelation 3, 7. Under the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man open. Now here the Lord Jesus, of course, is quoting the scripture from Isaiah. Now watch this in the church age book. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open, none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. The Spirit uses this Old Testament reference concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry in the church. What, what is the key of David signified at that time is a mere shadow, amen, which is now fulfilled in Jesus standing in the midst of the lampstands. So when John sees him, he sees him standing among the seven lampstands, and this is part of his identification. I'm he that has the key of David. Why are you saying that in the middle of the church, Lord Jesus? I thought you that David was a Jew. He is, but you're all going to be with me whenever I stand there in the millennium. Amen. Amen. So this is important to you because you are part of Christ's government Hallelujah. in the millennium. Amen. 
There won't be no Democrats, thank God. There won't be no Republicans, thank God. There won't be no Independents. There won't be no Trumps, no Obamas, no Clintons. No, no, there won't be none of that. There won't be no rotten politics. It'll all be the government of the one king. A divine monarchy. But yet, there will be subservient rulers that will rule under the only potentate, Christ himself. Y'all ready to have church tonight? Notice this. He said, oh, has to do with our Lord after his resurrection and not his earthly pilgrimage. So John could not have seen Jesus with this key over his shoulder when he was on the earth before his death. This has to do with his ministry after resurrection. Notice. But what does the key signify? The answer lays in the position of the key. It is not in his hand. It is worn around his neck. So here John does not look and see the Lord Jesus and he's got a key sticking in the door and twisting the door there. But the key is actually worn around his neck. Amen. And the sash or the cord or whatever it is that is holding the key is draped across his shoulder. If I got something on my face, y'all are looking at me funny. What's this? The answer lies in the position of the key. It is not in his hand. It is worn around his neck. It is placed in... Not placed in the hands of other men. Oh, man. I want some of these men around the message. It's going to be the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th messenger that's going to lead the bride in. Oh, man. We don't need such. It is not placed in the hands of other men. Well, this verse could not be saying he alone has the use of that key. For he alone opens and shuts, and no man has the right but Jesus himself. Is that right? But where is the key? It is on his shoulder. But what does his shoulder have to do with it? Read Isaiah 9, 6. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. But what does this mean? The answer. The phrase government upon his shoulder. Comes from a wedding ceremony. From the east, when the bride had been committed to the groom, she takes off her veil and places it over the groom's shoulder, signifying that not only is she under his dominion, that she has transferred her rights to him, that he is ahead, but also that he bears the responsibility and the care and that he and he alone, no one else, no other man, no other power has any right and responsibility. And that, beloved, is the key of David. God being sovereign. Oh, come on, brother Ram, throw in a little action here, would you? God being sovereign foreknew by divine decree exactly who would be in the bride. He chose her. She did not choose him. He called her. She did not come on her own. He died for her. He 
washed her in his own blood. He paid the price for her. She belongs to him and to him alone. She is wholly committed to him and he accepts the obligation. He is her head for Christ is the head of his church as Sarah called Abraham Lord. Even so the bride is happy that he is her Lord. Where are you going? Oh, I got to go to church. Well, you don't throw them cigarettes away. Oh, Jesus don't want me to smoke. I hate it. I'm going to have to do it, I reckon. If I go to heaven, I'm going to have to quit drinking and get rid of my rock and roll. You ain't saved yet. Oh, brother, if you ever really meet him and you find out who he is, the lily of the valley, you're happy to let it go. Oh, my. He speaks and she obeys. For that is her delight. You feel that way tonight? You understand how blessed you are? If you answered me from your soul, do you understand how blessed you are? You're part of the tithing of the earth. The key of David was not David the king of Israel, all Israel. And it's not Jesus, the son of David, according to the fact that he will sit upon the throne of David in the millennium, reign and rule over his heritage. Surely, so the key of David signifies it is Jesus who will bring in the millennium. I know some of the preachers in the message think they're going to be second and third and fourth and fifth and they're ushering in this, that, and other. Nonsense. You understand there's some of these ignoramuses around the message think that Brother Branham will be sitting on the throne and Billy Paul and Joseph will be having thrones right there in the millennium. Come on, children. Wake up. He didn't say blessed are they that are Branhams, but blessed are they that overcome. Well, you shouldn't say that. Oh, I should say it. It's a damnable doctrine around this message that if you're born in a right family, you've got higher privilege than somebody else. That's a lie from the pits of hell. It's because you're born and filled with the Holy Ghost. It has nothing to do with a Branham or a Reagan or a Yance or whoever your life's name is. It's who has been born by the Spirit of God and filled with the Holy Ghost. He who has the keys to death and hell will raise up his own that they may share in his reign of righteousness upon the earth. Notice this and identified Christ. In the millennium, it's the son of David sitting on the throne, ruling. He's descended up. He that overcomes will settle in me. And my throne as I've overcome, sit down on my father's throne. He's sitting on the father's throne now, but in the millennium, upon his own throne. Because he's the son of David. He's the son of man, son of God, son of David. So, at his second coming, he will land upon Mount Olives. And when he does, an earthquake will strike Mount Olives. There are seven mountains around Jerusalem. The topography of Jerusalem will be changed. Not all the earth gets a body change. 
but the bride. I mean, I mean, I mean, Jerusalem does. <laughs> I know y'all looking at me funny, little friends. I've got it laying right in front of me. Just be calm. <laughs> the Jerusalem will bear in our body the forerunning of the eighth day. For the waters must come out from under the throne and run to the former sea and the hinder sea. For those of you who have been to Jerusalem, that would be totally impossible with the layout of the ground right now. Because you've got Mount Scopus here, you've got Mount Olives over here, you've got another mountain over there, you've got the new, new Mount Zion, you've got seven, and it runs right down in the valley, and that's as far as it goes. But God changes her. The 12 apostles will actually be representative rule over the Jews. Now we know that in the millennium kingdom, the tribes will be set back up again. But the church age saints will be ruling over the Gentiles. Isaiah 32, one, behold a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. Daniel 7, 18, don't you go to sleep on me. These next verses I want you to listen to close. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. Amen. Even forever and ever. Praise be to God. We're not just going to be pushed in. We're not going to bury them. I can pray for them. I can hold up till Wednesday night. Pray for them. Oh, no, friend. The saints of God are going to take over the kingdom. Why? Because the spirit of God inside of you. The Lord Jesus took you away from the devil like he took the woman at the well away from the devil. He's fixing to take the earth away from the devil. And that's how you'll say, all right, devil, hand it over. You've had it long enough. You caused havoc on the earth, but now it's our time to reign. That lying thief gets three and a half years. You get a thousand. That's just the honeymoon. Notice Daniel 7, 21. And I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was given. To who? Judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Verse 26, you better watch out, son. I'm a prince in the making. Anybody else in here with me? But the judgment shall sit. They shall take away his dominion. 
dominion. They who? Jesus, Billy, and Joseph? Saints. Sanctified ones. Praise God. I'll tell you what, these scriptures are just so good. We might do this again in the morning, just the same ones. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. None of us message preachers. That ain't our job. Now remember, there's two of those tribes that fallen out. They will appear again. Their name was blotted out under earth, but not under heaven. Amen. In the millennium, they will be set up and tribal order. And there will be, glory be to God, the 12 apostles, Judas gone, Paul in that place, and they will judge the 12 tribes. Notice Jesus limiting them not to the expanse of the seven church ages, but the 12 tribes. Can I go on? Luke 22, 28, ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, glory, that ye may eat and drink at my table. I'm gonna tell you something, friend. I don't figure I'm good enough, great enough, whatever enough. I may not get to eat at his table all the time, but I'll be so happy just to be in the same dimension his table is. Praise God, Brother Darren, if I'm way out yonder in the far expanse of what it is, and every now and then I'll send a message, hey, Jesus, it's Dommy. I just wanted to say hello. I don't get to come in and sit down at your table like Peter and James and John and all the rest of them, but I wanted to let you know I'm still happy to be here, Lord. I'm so happy that you gave me the power to overcome the beast and the mark of his name and the letter of his name. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Some folks like singing that song that Dottie Rambo wrote many, many years ago. Build my mansion next door to Jesus. Some folks are that selfish. They think they're that good. They ought to be next door. Well, I've never had that mentality myself. Maybe I needed more grace than what they ever needed in their life. That must have been somebody really puffed up and thought there's something, didn't they? Well, I'm going to live right in the same house with him. Well, I'm not sure where I live, but just to be with him to me, brother, and it'd be great. Just to live in the same thing, having a glorified body. All that stuff will be gone anyhow. We won't worry about it. You imagine that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. 
all the Gentile bride. 2 Timothy 2.12 If we suffer, we shall also reign. But notice where your reigning is. With Him. Not apart from Him. Reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. Revelation 3.21 To Him that overcometh will I grant to sit. Cassisio set down a point to confer a kingdom, to confer a kingdom on one. Amen. To him that overcometh will I grant to set. For you to be a part of this, it is a royal grant. Amen. Do you understand the land of Palestine? Oh Lord, I don't want to get on that. The land of Palestine was a royal grant from God to Abraham and his seed. Not that they deserved it. Not that they were better than anybody else. But a royal grant from God. You being bride is a royal grant from God. Praise be to God. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. I prayed God saw my desire. I loved him so much. I saw baloney. A lot of us are some of the sorriest old scumbags that ever walked to the earth. We're lazy. We're sorry. We're stinking. We're rotten. We're no good. We become cold, complacent, everything else. Come on, children. It ain't because you're good. God gave you a grant. Well, glory to God. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign. To be king, to exercise kingly power, to reign, to exercise the highest influence, to control. We shall reign on theirs. Oh, I imagine them devils down in hell when they hear a preacher like me and other brothers that preach these scriptures and read these quotes. I think, <laughs> You think that people actually believe that? You better believe we do. And you better watch your hide because we're out to get you. As a matter of fact, it's the same power in us that was in our brothers called the apostles. Now, in the millennium will be the glorified saints. Also people in natural bodies, as well as in the eighth day, there will be nations on the earth. Everybody will not be white. Everybody will not be black. You'll not see anybody there with Black Lives Matter on their chariots. Or Blue Lives Matter or White Lives Matter because they've all been born again from that and they realize all lives matter. Whether you're black, white, blue, green, purple, polka dot, with, with velvet stripes, whatever you are, life is a precious thing to God. There is no racism in heaven. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, there's none in you. But yet there will be 
nations in the millennium. And in the eighth day, of course, there will be nationalities, and there will be kings over the nationalities in the eighth day, and they will come up from new moon to the Sabbath and on the outside, and they will take a leaf off the tree of life, and they will hand a leaf one to another and say, brother, we fought for one another's blood one time. We killed children. We done this and that. I'm quoting to you from the future home. We've done all this and the other, but now there is peace. The prophet said the leaves from the tree was for the healing of the nations. Plural. Praise be to God. Can I have a little bit more time? Psalms 22, 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. The kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. There will be no KKK. If you got a KK heart, you'll be going away, way, way down there. There is no black power, white power, red power, green power. There's only one power, Holy Ghost power. That's what puts us all there. But God loves diversity in nations. Well, praise the Lord. Now, notice this in Psalms 22, 29. And all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him and none keep alive his own soul. Psalms 86, 8. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. And the saints said, Amen, Amen to that. That's exactly right. Verse 9. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. So the heathen that's given to Christ under the messianic reign of Psalms 2 is not just Jews. It's not just Ethiopians or Babylonians or Cushites, which is the Egyptians, but it's all nations. There will be people from all nations that have been kept from the light of God, and all nations will be living in the millennium. Praise God. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. May I say to you, if there's a trinity in the New Testament that have to be one in the old, unless God just somehow gave birth to two of himself in the new, and we know that God didn't do that. That's why there's only one God in the Old Testament. So you bring that same theology over to the new, how are you going to find the New Testament? This ain't right, that ain't right, this is right right here. One God, that's right, that's all there is. Notice Zechariah 14, 16, and it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. Oh. And it shall be that whoso shall not come up of all the families of the earth and Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. God still don't like it in the millennium if you don't attend church. Verse 18, 
And if the family of Egypt do not come up and come not, they have no rain. There shall be the plague whereas the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Boy, wouldn't, wouldn't this earth be something if that was the worst of all sins? You didn't show up for church on Sunday. Imagine, friends, there's no cursing. There's no lying. There's no drinking. There's no adultery. The devil's got all these people is on the earth which is unconverted and not born again. And he can't get to a one of them. Because God's got him bound by a chain of circumstance. <laughs> and he's down there in hell just a pacing back and forth and back and forth in the bottom of the pit. All these people up on the earth. And he can't get to nary one of them on the earth because the son of David is reigning. Praise be to God. Let me have just a few more minutes and we'll try to find a place to close you. I don't want to catch up in the air and then stop, but I may have to. So the region around Mount Zion will be lifted up to form the mountain of the house of the Lord. Notice Isaiah 2.1. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. Now don't you see, <laughs> Jerusalem and Mount Zion is reflecting exactly in the millennium what God's doing now in the bride. This is what he's been doing, right? dealing with the elect down through the ages that he picked out who he wanted and he exalted them and all the rest come around him. That's why Lot, Lot come around Abraham and said, Abraham come around Lot. That's why people will come around. The nations in the millennium will do the same thing. And you're the earth itself must come. The topographical thing will change upon the earth in order to take on the image of the eighth day people living in it. Notice, oh, verse three, and many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Notice, not mountains, churches, but there's churches, churches, brides, brides, churches, churches, and brides, but There'll come one. Amen. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And here they get up there, and they go to sitting around the mount, and the Lord Jesus is teaching, and sitting over on the right's Moses. And over here's Elijah. Back here's Elisha, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph. They're all going to be there with us. And over there's King David, which is now a prince. And there's King David doing the teaching. And over there's Prince David and Prince Donnie and Princess, whoever you are. Praise God. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law. 
and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke. Now see, this proves to you this is not the eighth day. In the eighth day, it's total perfection. There won't be one rebuke. And because you've already entered into the eighth day, you won't need to be rebuked in the millennium. Do you understand? You can live a life right here before the presence of God so you don't have to go around all the time repenting, 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 repenting. Oh God, I should have done that. Oh God, I shouldn't have done that. You can live a place so close to God that the devil don't even know what to do with you. And when you get up of the morning, he said, Lord, have mercy. Here he comes. Out of his way, out of his way. Over the dawn, there's power and forgiveness. I believe that and I agree with that 100%. But there's also power in keeping. Amen. I don't just believe in forgiveness. I believe a saint of God can walk before the Lord so sensitive in the presence of God. You are kept from sin. Well, you didn't clap your hands too loud on that, but it's a truth anyhow. Oh my, he shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. Have you ever seen the symbol of the Russian flag? What is it? A strong-armed man with a hammer beating a a sword into a plowshare. Russia. (laughs) Some of them will be there too. (laughs) Amen. Well, glory to God. And their spears and their pruning hooks, nation shall not lift up sword against nation. They've done this since the fall of man. For power, for money, for property, for all kinds of things. Nations, don't you understand what's going on in our nation right now? There is such cultural clashes. There is such racial things that are going on. Come on, children. Well, my goodness, we're more divided racial now than we've been in decades. Well, you might as well say amen. And politicians are playing the race card back and forth and back and forth on both sides. Don't you understand where it's coming from? Hell. But I'm here to tell you tonight, let me announce it before it gets here. There is coming a day on this earth when nations will not lift up sword against nation. Black will not hate white. White will not hate black. Oh, listen to this. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, don't raise your hands, but I wonder how many of y'all got into a fuss on your honeymoon. Uh Uh-oh, I'm going to the room and finishing this part. Some of y'all done told it. I see that look on your face. Don't. (laughs) No. No. You don't mean you got into an argument and your honeymoon. That's okay. Don't, ever, don't anybody move. Don't, don't move. But can you imagine a thousand year honeymoon? Nobody's fighting. Nobody's arguing, raising their voices. Nobody's face is getting as red as blood and their blood pressure about to blow every valve in their heart. It won't be there will be changed. Neither will they learn war anymore. Oh, house of Jacob, 
Come ye, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's stand. Let's stand. Isaiah 24, 23. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. And before his ancients, gloriously. So the Lord, the ancient of days, is ruling in front of some ancients. But yet every one of them looked to be about 20 years old. <laughs> Isaiah 33, 20. Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed. Neither shall there be any of the cords thereof be broken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams wherein shall go no galley with oars. Neither shall be gallant ships pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. And the Lord is our king. Priest, prophet, king. Not another man on the face of the earth was ever allowed to obtain and fulfill these offices at once. But he will. Ezekiel, rather, chapter 40, verse 1, we'll close. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the months, in the fourteenth year after the, that the city was smitten, in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon the very high mountain by which was as the frame of a city on the south. Now here Ezekiel moves in by vision and he's actually brought above and landed down upon the mount as now it has been transformed. You see, holy far from God will not come to the eighth day. But nuclear fire will come and wipe off the earth enough to make her ready for the millennium but not good enough to change Jerusalem. So the king himself gives Jerusalem, Mount Scopus, Mount Zion, Mount of Olives. He gives it all a personal body change. That's crazy, is it? There'll be body changed people living in that place with him. You see, the Dead Sea has been laying where she is for thousands and thousands of years. Carol and I was there in May. It is filled with so many chemicals 
You can actually get down in the water. I didn't do it myself. But some from our party did. Get down in the water and you don't have to even swim because it's so heavy that you can't go down. Stay down. And yet it's the deadest thing on the earth. And yet way back in the 50s, the prophet said there was all kinds of chemicals and things and wealth that they would find in there. Well, on our way down, guess what? We passed prophecy being fulfilled. That was one place, that was another, another, and another on both sides of the road going down through the Negev, down into the Dead Sea to do what? Fulfill prophecy and drag out all types of chemicals out of the Dead Sea. But one day the waters will come out from under the prince and will find its way after Zion has been changed and it will weep its way toward the east and toward the west. The Mediterranean, which will also be there, and the Dead Sea will be healed. You say God can heal water? Remember when in the scripture in the Old Testament of the ministry of the spirit of Elijah? And they had some poison water and they couldn't drink out of the water? He said, go out there and cut me down a switch. Cut me down a little tree of a thing. And he took the cross and threw the cross in the water. And the scripture said the waters were healed. God having his prophet. Amen. To act out a reflection of that body of water. Laying down, oh my, below sea level, that the water from Jerusalem will find its way on down, on down. And when it hits the Dead Sea, life will start bursting forth and the Dead Sea will be changed. Oh, he said, that's wonderful. He specializes in healing dead seeds. You wasn't a dead sea but more or less a dead seed. Lay that dormant all those years of your life. But the water of life come out from under the mercy seat of the throne of God and come over your heart and change that bitterness and that envy and that strife and transforms you into a living son or daughter of God. Speak to God. Let me read Micah. Uh, no, no, we'll pick it up in the morning. Praise God. Don't you want to go? Praise God. Lord, children, what the world has longed for since the fall of man, peace. What politicians offer people, vote me in, I'll tell you one thing, I'll be your voice in the White House, I'll do this and that and the other. And you can, you can tell when they're lying. You know how? They open their mouths. It's about that way with some preachers. But you imagine if there is a newspaper, however the media will be in that day. And daily, it'll be out among the people. The Prince of Peace signed in a new law. No more trouble. In my kingdom, it's against the law to be depressed. Praise God. Amen. 
insult all for anybody to be crippled, to even have a sniffle. You can't even sneeze. Children, this is not a joke. Praise God. No divorces. No broken homes. Oh my. No car wrecks. Brother Bam said there won't be one yellow sod bank ever pitched out on that new city, that new place. There'll be no deaths. Praise be to God. Well, I said I was going to wait in the morning, but I can't. I just got to read it. Micah chapter 4, verse 1. The last days it shall come to pass the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. So here's seven mountains around Jerusalem. He will come stand upon Mount Olives, and when he does, it'll split in half as it was in the days of Asahel. The earthquake will come and divide it and cleave it in half from the north to the south, east to the west as it'll divide. As it does, it begins to change. The change starts from under his feet. Glory be to God. And the seven mountains or seven church ages will begin to all come together and make one mountain of the Lord. And all the rest of the hills around Bethlehem, all the way down everywhere from one end of Israel to the other will be changed into the plains as of Esdralon. All of Israel will get a body change. So there won't be a mountain here and a mountain there and a mountain over here and a mountain here and a mountain there. There'll be one. And it will be the headquarters of the Millennium Kingdom. Many nations shall come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Now notice what we're reading. We're reading in Micah, and he says almost word for word, punctuation identical to what Isaiah said. Verse 4, they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. Zechariah 8, 20, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, it shall come to pass, that there shall come people and inhabitants in many cities, and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go speedily to pray before the Lord, and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem to pray before the Lord. Jeremiah three seventeen, And at that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. A city set on a hill which cannot be hid. And the city becomes the throne. Praise God. Let me close. You mean you got more? <laughs> About 60 some pages more. That's just for in the morning. We've broken into eternity, sure as the world. 
But I know, I know, I've got to keep that remembrance before me. You're still in time. Oh, children, this ain't a dream. This is not another Disney production. This is from the promise of Almighty God. Don't you want to be there with all your heart? Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to see these things. Lord, to me, when I see it, I, I see the slowly unfolded mystery of God over and over and over again. You've been telling the same story since the dawn of time, but you only unveil it a little more in a little different aspect by the different characters that you choose to project. Who would have ever thought a little old boy who had curly little hair and kind of red-skinned and reddish hair out watching over sheep? He loved to get all excited and shout and jump around and play his little old harp. Who would have ever thought you would have chose him to be your father? So you could be his son in the natural genealogy. And so he could be your prince in the millennium. Who would have thought that you would have ever chose us? Maybe one out of our family or two out of our family that believes the word. The rest of them don't even love you, don't want nothing to do with you. Who would have ever thought you would have chose us to be part of the queen of heaven? Praise God. Lord, may there not be a one of us missing, Father. May we be there, Lord Jesus. Help us, I pray, Lord. We know those that will sit with you are those that overcome. That's the difficult part for us. Overcoming. Oh, it's not just smoking and drinking and many of those things. Many of us overcome many of those things years ago. The Lord is overcoming us. We overcome drinking, the devil uses something else. We overcome smoking, he uses something else. He always has access. As long as we have this Mount Scopus, this Mount Zion here. This natural body that's not yet been redeemed. But oh God, we know and believe one day. Praise God as the millennium is forerun by a resurrection. One day our bodies will be changed. And as you stand upon the Mount of Olives and she cleaves. So the rapturing grace will move upon our bodies. And they will cleave as it were. Glory be to God. And we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord. Lord God, we'll walk down through the parks, the great freeways as it was. Blessed be the Lord God. The mountain lion will come out of the bushes, except he will not be afraid of us and we will not be afraid of him. The bear will not stand up on his hind feet. The grizzly will never growl to scare us. Lord, the African lion will be as tame as he was when he strolled the Garden of Eden. No doubt there'll be another tiger named Sheeta. 
Because that's what the prophet called him there in the Garden of Eden. And he will come over and we'll rub him on the neck. And he'll purr like a little kitten. Praise God. Because their nature has been changed. But Lord God, as we see the millennium will bring the change of the animal nature. Eighth day people, while living in this realm of mortality, have already had the animal nature changed in them. We were controlled by our animal appetites. We were lower than an animal. But the Holy Ghost broke the seal of time, broke the devil's hold on our life, and annihilated that animal nature. We surrendered our will to you, and when we did, the fire of God come from off the altar and consumed that animal nature, and it died. Then what we become was a badger skin. They never sewed them badgers together to make a covering of the tabernacle while they were alive. They had to be dead. So, Lord, then we give you our bodies. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So we give our badger skin. Hallelujah. To make the outer covering of the holiest of holies. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord. We lift our hands, Father. We're not going to wait to the millennium to praise you. We're not going to wait to the honeymoon. We're not going to wait to the rapture. We're going to praise you right now, Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, we may have troubles and difficulties, but we've got great things coming our way. You said you know the thoughts that you think toward us, and you know they are good, Lord. Praise God. Minister to your children tonight, would you, Father? We pray for those, Lord, of our assembly that are out traveling, visiting their families. Lord, we know it's the busiest day of the year, tomorrow and Monday. People travel on the roads and the skies. May you watch over them, Lord. Bring them back home safely. We love you, Jesus. This time of Thanksgiving, and yet I wonder how many people fed their bellies till they're so full they couldn't even hardly move. Many of them never even bowed their head and thanked you for it. Lord, they ate turkey and pumpkin pie and all this and that and the other and never even said thank you. But Lord, we don't want to be like that. We want to raise our hands, hallelujah, and say thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace, Lord Jesus. Thank you for pardon. Amen. Thank you for a rapture. Thank you for a prophet, Lord. Thank you for a church to go to, Lord Jesus. Thank you for brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Thank you for the millennium. Thank you for the new city. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for strength through trials. Thank you for help, Lord, in the time of trouble, oh God. We've got so much to thank you for tonight, Lord Jesus. We want you to know we are grateful, Lord. We are grateful. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do you love him, children? Are you grateful for the blessing of God on your life? Oh, has it been good to you? No matter what you're going through tonight, I guarantee you can look around and realize how good God has been to you. Can you say amen to that? Oh, he's been so good. Did you have food to eat on Thanksgiving Day? Have food today? Well, my Thanksgiving was overshadowed by emails from Uganda. 
of some of our brothers and sisters. The worst famine in history in Uganda. Some of our brothers and sisters starving. Well, Brother Donnie, you can't feed the world. I know that. I've got enough sense to know that. But they're our brothers and sisters. And it makes my heart very sad. It does. It makes my heart very sad when we know we've got brothers and sisters. You've heard me tell it before. The last time I was there in Uganda, I passed it on the road there, on the way to church, in a big old gigantic tree that had fallen on the side of the road. Here was all these people gathered around the tree. So I asked the brother, I said, what are they doing? He said, they're eating. I said, what? He said, termites. So here was men, women, children, little bitty old tiny kids, old people going through that tree. So I told him, slow down so I can see it. Going through that tree, picking out termites to eat out of that tree. Now you may not have had turkey and Thanksgiving and this and that and the other, but did you have to eat termites on Thursday? We're Americans, we're spoiled. I don't care what you're going through, you've still got something to thank him for. Oh, my. Amen. Hey, let's sing a little bit. Praise be to God. Well, it's been good to be in Mount Zion tonight. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And I just want to thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. For letting me letting me hear in your word. Let's sing it together. What have I done to Lord? Such a story that's revealed in me. Amen, Lord Jesus. Imagine while you're living in the seventh, she's bearing the image of the eighth, 
but not total transformed into the image of the eights because while she's still there, the Mediterranean is still to her back. So the kingdom will be projected from Jerusalem forward this way. But in the eighth day, when John looks and he sees and he said, I saw no more sea. But when Ezekiel looks and when Zechariah looks, he sees the former sea and the hinder sea. Praise God. What a great day. And think of it. You're going to be in both. Because your eight-day people trapped in a body of time in the seventh, but you're fixing to go into the seventh, but you've already been tapped into the eighth. At the end of the eighth, you'll be carried up into the eighth while the eighth comes down, and then you and the eighth will all merge together. My eighth and you enough or not? <laughs> oh, praise be to God. How wonderful. How wonderful. You say, Brother Donnie, I think you've gone crazy. You know what? I think you're right. I believe I am absolutely out of my mind. I'm just hoping I can get some more of you to go start raving mad with me. Instead of being start raving mad about Laodicea and about your money and about this and that and the other, lose your mind to the things of the world. Oh my, the prophet said we need to get so drunk on the Holy Ghost that we don't even remember what our name is. Boy, wouldn't that be a good drunk to get so drunk in the presence of God that you don't even know who you are? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, let's sing it together just a little bit before we go, shall we? Oh, that city on Mount Zion. i
fire.